The Oklahoma Sooners will be a bounce back candidate in 2023. We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at the Sooners Wire. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. So, Josh, it was 247 Sports. They're the latest to join the, the chorus of people singing the bounce back songs, bounce back serenade of the Oklahoma Sooners for 2023, joining J.D. Piquel of On3, Joel Klatt of Fox Sports, and you know Josh Pate over at the Late Kick Show had some promising things to say about the Sooners, but now it's two four seven Sports. They're the latest ones, and they're feeling pretty high on the Oklahoma Sooners. One of ten teams that they project will have a bounce back season in twenty twenty three. Joining the chorus of Locked On Sooners with John Williams and Josh Helmer as proponents for an Oklahoma bounce back season. It's a uh, going to be a popular theme, I think. Uh, th- this will be more the off-season narrative, John, I think, than, hey, this thing's going to go horribly wrong for Oklahoma and Brent Venables is getting fired after year two. There'll be a couple of those, though, this off-season, by the way, as well. So mentally, Oklahoma fans, prepare yourself for a little bit of that. I know our guy over at uh, Barstool Sports, can't think of his name. What What is our what is our our buddy's name at Barstool that is not too high on Brent Vittables in Oklahoma, but he will not be the only Brandon something, something. I don't know. I have most of everybody on Barstool block, so I, I don't see much of things. A wise move. That's right. Brandon Walker is, is the name that I, I couldn't think of, Yeah, but that's, I, I think those are going to be kind of the two driving narratives of this off, off season for Oklahoma is Oklahoma got this hiring completely wrong with Brent Vittables and it's going up in smokes. It's going up in flames and it's going up in flames as quickly as, Year two, it's going to be evident. Or in the more prominent theme, I think, John, it's going to be Oklahoma because of the return of Dylan Gabriel, because of just simply the sheer top to bottom overhauling of the roster, both with the 2022 signing class and the 23 signing class and this influx of talent that they've added via the transfer portal and just the folks that they have on campus, the belief that Brent Venables is not going to be a six and seven football coach each and every year as this thing goes forward, as he really gets his fingerprints and his hand in the dough, so to speak, to to bake this Oklahoma Sooners pizza, if you will, going forward, that uh, there's going to be optimism. I, th- I think more optimism for Oklahoma than there is negativity. In this from 24-7 Sports, the latest example of that, We've, we've outlined, John, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to like Oklahoma to be a bounce-back candidate. And I would entertain the, the fact that, yes, you're losing Marvin Mims, you're losing Eric Gray, you're losing your offensive tackles, but I just kind of look at the overall picture of the Big 12 Conference, John, 
and then and then look at Oklahoma and the fact that they're getting their quarterback back. Skill position, okay. Yes, we need to see wide receivers take a step forward, but generally speaking, I, you know me, I've always been – uh, you know, the leader of the band that Oklahoma was skill position guys, I'm not going to freak out over skill position guys at OU. And I do expect the defense to take a, a big step in the right direction. I don't have tangible reasons, uh, I guess, for why that would be the case outside of just a general trust in Brent Venables, Venables. But I do think we're going to see more of this, John, throughout the offseason with Oklahoma. Well, I'll give you three tangible reasons as to why Oklahoma's defense is going to be better in 2023. The first one, Deshaun McCullough. The second one, Rondo Bothroyd. The third one, Reggie Pearson. I can go deeper. Fourth would be your, your first-year starters and Ethan Downs, Billy Bowman, and Danny Stutzman taking another step forward in their progression. I can go another one. They added defensive tackle talent. I can go another one. Your influx of defensive blue-chip prospects. Now, not all of those guys are going to play, but, I mean, it would not be shocking to see Adepojo Adebare play his freshman year. Our Mason Thomas. That dude, he can cook like with fire. Like he's cooking with gas every time he's on the field. Jaron Canning, like getting more speed on the field on defense is going to help this team take another step forward. Because at times that was just the biggest problem. They were just too slow. And for all of the good things that guys like David Aguebu did, Key Lawrence had have done it at certain times. Your defensive front, you know, Jeffrey Johnson, Jonah Laula. Those guys were good at times, but there just was a lack of team speed on defense. You're getting a lot of it now through the transfer portal, through your recruiting class, through your, your true freshmen coming up now being either sophomores or you know, redshirt freshmen. You're getting more speed on the field, and that's going to help make the defense better. You spoke about Dylan Gabriel. Having that quarterback continuity is huge. If you're going to, you know, it's never good to lose a guy like Eric Gray who ran for 1,300 yards, but you feel great about Javante Barnes and Gavin Sacek. You don't like losing a guy like Marvin Mims who led your team in receiving for three straight seasons, but you've got – I really, really, really feel like Jalil Farouk is going to have a breakout year. I know the drops were a problem, but I feel like every time he's had an increased share of the workload, he's produced. And – given what they're asking him to do on offense, both as a receiver, as a runner, it, it's, I feel like he's just going to take an, an, the next step. This guy, Emmett Jones, the new wide receivers coach. I feel like he's going to bring out uh, an extra bit of dog in Jalil Farouk because he kind of already has that in him, right? Like you see the way that he runs with the football when he has it in his hands. Like he's not looking to avoid contact. He's he runs it. And I know I make this, I've made this comparison several times, but he runs it like a Debo Samuel where he is a running back when he has the ball in his hands. He's no, no longer this you know skill wide receiver, this you know finesse guy. He's a physical player. Uh, so I think that's going to bring out the best in what he already does really, really well. Getting Austin Stogner back, I think that's huge. Adding your, your offensive lineman in the transfer portal like Walter Rouse and Caleb Schaefer, that's huge as well. And then who knows what we might be able to get out of a guy like DJ Graham at wide receiver too. This is a guy that I continue to forget about because he changed positions on us. And so I, I just, I just blank on him sometimes, but he's a, he was a standout wide receiver in college, in high school. Sorry, not in college, in high school. So there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. And I think ultimately it'll come back to the close game regression. Like they'll have a bit of regression to the mean where, you know, they won't go zero and five in games decided by one score or less. 
they'll win some of those games, but I don't know if they'll be playing in as many close games next year. And you talked about just the state of the big 12. I don't, I can't pick like a, a team that is head and shoulders better than anybody else in the big 12. Now this time a year ago, you might've been looking at Baylor, Oklahoma state, and I probably would have thrown in Oklahoma in there a little bit foolhardily, but Oklahoma state fell back. Baylor fell back. TCU is going to fall back this year. Texas will probably take another step forward. Uh, Kansas state may fall back losing some of the key pieces that they've lost. So I'm feeling really good about what Oklahoma is up against in the big 12. That's going to allow them to have a really strong bounce back season. You know, it's interesting as I'm looking through this list, would you classify Oklahoma as a program that could quote unquote shock the world in 2023? At this point, it doesn't seem like it's going to be shocking. I mean, what would be shocking is if they had a TCU-type run where they go to the college football playoff national championship. That would be the shocking end result to me. But getting back to the Big 12 championship, that doesn't seem like it would be shocking so much. And I do think that was sort of the premise of this 24-7 sports story from Raymond Lucas Jr. Everybody, and we've said it already this offseason, John, everybody's searching for, okay, who is – 2023's TCU. And if that's the bar that we're going by, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I I guess that would qualify as shocking the world in 2023 for Oklahoma, but man, can I say it's Oklahoma? I mean, is it going to shock the world if Oklahoma's back in a college football playoff? And I guess, yeah, it'd be pretty shocking to see Oklahoma after dropping off a six and seven season, flipping it that quickly and winning its first college football playoff game. But again, it's Oklahoma. So I don't know the phrasing of shock the world. I, I have a little bit of a hang up, I guess with that portion of it, but I do understand the general premise. And I do think you're going to continue to see this throughout the off season as Oklahoma, as one of these trendy sorts of teams that can turn six and seven into a quickly overnight winning season conference championship contending season in the big 12 for OU just uh, for, you know, some substance for everybody out there, John, the other 10 that were on the list were Tulane, Oregon state, Kansas state, Washington, TCU, Florida state, Wisconsin, Texas A&M and Texas. So that was what comprised this list of 10 teams that could shock the world in 2023 via 24/7 sports. I mean, all I'm hearing now is the Rocky music that, you know, this is the team that's going to be coming up against Apollo Creed and they're just going to put everybody on notice. I don't know. We'll see, but I, it would be a little bit surprising for me to, to see the Oklahoma Sooners in the national championship game. But I mean, stranger things have happened like TCU ending up in the national championship game. So I'm not going to completely put it outside, but what it will have to happen for that to be the case is that Dylan Gabriel gets much better on clutch in clutch situations, whether it's third down, fourth down red zone, late game situations. They just as a team have to get better. Your quarterback's going to have to get better in those situations. Cause that's where Max Duggan really thrived this season for TCU and how they were able to get, you know, to the, the college football playoff and then to the national championship game. So um, yeah, I I'm, I'm optimistic. I know, you know, there've been folks that have kind of claimed that, 
we're not real high on what's going on, but I'm optimistic for what's going on because of what they've added in the transfer portal in this recruiting class. I think Brett Venables is going to get it back to where it needs to be to, for them to be a contender. Uh, we've got some more news and notes on Oklahoma athletics, including a spring game date. I'm sure you've seen it, but we're excited for it as well. Uh, we'll also talk about a, a few other things on the Oklahoma Sooners front, including an interesting recruiting uh, drama. Can we say drama? Is there drama brewing uh, on the recruiting trail for the Oklahoma Sooners? We'll talk about that after I talk to you all about LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members that you have surrounded yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract the qualified candidates you want to talk to with open jobs, with targeting tools, they go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post and company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them fast and for free. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply so josh the kind of the recruiting dilemma let's just stay there for a second before we kind of talk about the spring game so michael hawkins was set to commit michael hawkins the 2024 four-star quarterback previously of allen high school now of frisco emerson high school was set to commit on january 31st he released a tweet saying and i can read it to you real quickly um i will be pushing my commitment back this will be the biggest decision of my life and i want it to be right now, that was on saturday afternoon about 4 23 p.m uh on three put out a story about it i went to look I, I went and read the story myself went to look for the tweet and lo and behold the tweet was deleted so it's an interesting dilemma because he was being recruited by arkansas where kendall Bryles was kendall Bryles moves to tcu uh, now he's the offensive coordinator there. So potentially puts TCU in a better position to land Michael Hawkins. Um, you know, our guy Parker Thune, he's still very much uh, believing that Michael Hawkins is going to be a sooner at the same time, Oklahoma offered four-star quarterback out of Arkansas, the number one player in the state of Arkansas, Walker white, not Walter white, but Walker white uh, added in the 2024 class. So a little bit of uh I don't know, recruiting uh, espionage, recruiting spy games happening right now? Well, I definitely think, no doubt, it's clearly it's of note. If nothing else, let's start here. If Michael Hawkins Jr. pushes the commitment date back, then probably that's a good sign for both an Arkansas, a TCU in particular, right? Because it's sort of been viewed as a two-horse race, Oklahoma-Arkansas, the offensive coordinator for Arkansas, Kendall Bryles, leaves. He goes to TCU. They were on that that list of the final eight for Michael Hawkins. So that immediately you say, okay, well, that probably means TCU now because Kendall Bryles has relocated to TCU. And really because of the success of this past season for the Horned Frogs, you say immediately now they're more heavily, uh, more of a heavy factor on the radar here. Okay, if he pushes the date back, then that tells you, okay, 
probably that's leaning the direction of either Arkansas TCU or somebody else, right? Somebody else along this recruitment has, uh, has made a late push and given Michael Hawkins a little bit more to think about because we've sort of been under the general idea, John, that or this general operating belief that the sooner the better for Oklahoma. And if that commitment announcement date that was scheduled for January 31st went off as scheduled, then probably that announcement was going to be a commitment to the Oklahoma Sooners. So at the very least, okay, the tweet's been deleted, but the cat's kind of out of the bag here a little bit that I think there's some indecision with Michael Hawkins. And ultimately it comes back to this, John. It is a huge life decision for him. And while it wound up being great for Oklahoma when it was all said and done on or the during the early signing period, you know, you'd like to avoid as many of the Peyton Bowen types of recruitments as possible. It just leaves people with bad feelings about prospects, and it's, you know, difficult for prospects and their families. It's best when the decision is, even though it's not a final decision, John, for a commitment, to avoid flip season, to be concrete and kind of what you're thinking and where you want to wind up at it's best for all parties if when said decision is made that kind of is where you wind up going and i mean i i feel like the we talked about it last week the jeff levy to alabama kind of buzz that you know pete thamel of espn kind of put out there that hasn't really gone away you know, there, there's still people talking about that. You know, you're still seeing kind of like, okay, it's just kind of lingering. It's, and, and maybe it won't go away until either he addresses it or they hire an offensive coordinator or Bill O'Brien stays at Bama as the offensive coordinator. So I wonder if, if that could potentially play into some of this as well in that, okay, Michael Hawkins is hearing this buzz about maybe Alabama. And unless he hears from Jeff Levy specifically, and maybe he has, that's why I deleted the tweet. Um, Maybe that's just saying like, wait, I'm not going anywhere. If you're still committing to Oklahoma, then you're safe. You don't have to worry about me leaving to go anywhere. Um, I don't know. That could be some of it, but we'll never know. We don't know why. We don't know why, but we'll we'll continue to follow the fly. Um, not that Michael Hawkins is a fly, but we'll continue to follow this recruitment as it plays out. We're going to talk with John Garcia again uh, a little bit later this week and get his take on this whole situation, see where Oklahoma stands as far as he's concerned, I mean, TCU is also going after Jaden Rashada, the former Miami, then Florida, uh, Miami commit, Florida signee, got released from his signing, now pursuing Colorado, possibly TCU. That could play into some of uh, Michael Hawkins' decision as well. So who knows? Uh, Oklahoma set a date for their spring game, Josh. Looking at April 22nd, over under 75,000 people in attendance for that game. I'm going to say probably under though. I think it'll be another great crowd and Oklahoma has, has made this a big part of its recruiting calendar, similar to champ you barbecue and the importance that that had for the, you know, previous staff, the amount of emphasis that they put on it. And they put an emphasis on the spring game too, but it feels like with this staff with Brent Venables, he's been, Pretty, pretty out there and vocal about the importance of what the spring game means for Oklahoma on, on their recruiting calendar. And though I would make an argument in some ways, John, we didn't see that rash of commitments last year afterwards, right? It took a little bit later down the, the pipeline before you, you started seeing those commitments. 
probably the staff would then turn. So I, I would maybe make the argument like, did it have the, did it have the splash effect that you wanted? I guess so, right? Because you wind up with the best recruiting class that you've signed. So it's hard to argue with that portion of it. The immediate commitments, okay, they weren't there out of the spring game last year, but the ultimate results were there. So take your pick on where you stand in that battle of how much does the spring game matter for these recruitments. I'll say this, though. The coaching staff, John, believes that it matters big time. And with that being said, you're going to see a heavy, heavy emphasis put on this thing again. There's going to be a massive push to get everybody out there at the spring game and involved. And ultimately, you got to wait so long for the college football season to be back. If only for one day for all of us to get to play a little make-believe that, yes, college football is right around the corner, let's, on April 22nd, play a little make-believe that college football is right around the corner. Hey, it's a great chance to just have a party. And, you know, last year we were celebrating the, the arrival of Brent Venables and the the Baker Mayfield Heisman Trophy statue unveiling. This year we get to celebrate a top five recruiting class. And, you know, a bunch of those guys are going to be there playing in the spring game. So it's a great chance to kind of see them getting their feet wet a little bit against college competition. We're going to get a chance to see who's going to stand out and potentially could be playmakers for Oklahoma uh, this next season, their first season in Norman. Speaking of playmakers, let's talk some college hoops real quick. Uh, man, the Oklahoma Sooners men's team, again, another close loss, uh, this time to uh, Baylor, a, a top 25 team on the Big 12 schedule, but still a late lead that they just can't hold on to. Uh, Baylor makes shots. I mean, they were clutch down the stretch, hitting two threes in the final couple minutes, one to take the lead and then one to extend it uh, to, to a point where they, you know, Oklahoma is not able to catch up, but it, it's the biggest takeaway I have about this team. And I think I had it even last week when we talked hoops, they're not a good enough three point shooting team to attempt 21 threes in a game. They were just, I think five of 21, in this game, like 23% from, from three point range, you lose by two and you're, you're missing 16 threes. That's, that's a, that's part of the ball game. I mean, Porter Moser talked about the rebounding battle and how that played it, played a factor. It does. But also if you're shooting 21 threes and you're not hitting them because you're not really a good three pointing shooting, three point shooting team, we've got to figure out something else. And Porter Moser's offense, he create, it creates a lot of open shots, it creates a lot of open threes in particular but that doesn't mean you have to take them or if this is the offense that, that we have, maybe we need to adjust the offense a little bit to the personnel that they've got because this offense just isn't consistent enough from three point range to shoot that many threes. Full transparency. I haven't listened to the entirety of Porter Moser's post-game press conference yet. I'll do that before broadcasting the, the radio side tomorrow. But having said that I heard coach Porter Moser's appearance with Toby Rowland last Friday, and one of the things that he talked about, John, was he really challenged Milos Yuzan, hey, get in the huddle, don't be a freshman, because you're not a freshman anymore, right? You are a significant piece of the puzzle here at Oklahoma now, and these guys, they are going to value you taking the approach that you're not a freshman. So with that in mind, Coach Porter Moser said that he was curious, to see how Milos Yuzan would respond to that. And naturally, I, you, we were curious to see how Milos Yuzan responded to that. 
the response was he took five shots and three from downtown scored five points. He did have four assists, but I would classify that as had to be disappointing to a degree. I would imagine for coach Moser, because really he challenged him, John, to, to go be aggressive in all senses of the world. Now I wasn't in the huddle. So that portion, maybe there's already been positive steps that direction and being a box score snooper sometimes can be a dangerous game, right? Uh, when you're not within the confines of just the locker room itself and hearing every bit and piece of it. I'm just saying that that to me, when I look at the final box score jumps out that he only took the five shots when coach Moser challenged him in that fashion. So Man, uh, b- big picture beyond just individually with Milos Yuzan, this Oklahoma team right now is just not great at winning close games, John. They've they've won one versus West Virginia, and you know what? They didn't get a field goal coming down, I think, the final six and change in that game. So, unfortunately, the book is kind of written on this Oklahoma team right now. They're going to be playing a lot of close games in the Big 12 Conference, and right now it looks like they're not going to be winning a lot of close games in the big 12 conference. I think the player that we're missing on this team right now is a guy like Austin Reeves. Someone that you can get the ball to and just say, take the game, just take the game over whatever you do with it. It's your game. And a lot of times that was going to the basket. He was, he was pushing and he was initiating the offense. He was getting to the basket, getting to the free throw line, helping them close games. Now, again, that wasn't the best Oklahoma Sooners team, and he wasn't the best player on Oklahoma Sooners team, but he had that attitude, right? I'm going to take the game. Win or lose, it's me. I'm shooting the ball. Win or lose, it's me going to the basket. Whether it works or not, it's going to be me. And I feel like, you know, whether it's Grant Sherfield, he's kind of deferring a little bit at times. Talked about Milo Suzan. He had a really nice stretch where he had three games of double, double digit points. And then, you know, just kind of, again, back to deferring a little bit. Um, and then you just don't really have a guy that you can get the ball to and say, go get me a bucket um, in crunch time. And, you know, Grant Sherfield's been great for Oklahoma since transferring in, uh, but he's kind of waned in second halves a lot uh, this season, especially in some of these close losses. Flipping over to the women's side, unless you have anything else you want to touch on on the men's side there, Josh. Yeah, just one other item. Sure. Did you know this about Oklahoma's schedule the rest of the way? It's Oklahoma. (laughs) Yes. Oklahoma has dropped to 0-5 this season against ranked opponents. So you're still searching for that marquee type win. And Oklahoma, by the way, has the toughest remaining schedule in Division I based on future opponent winning percentage. So – There's a lot of opportunities, lots of opportunities, my friend, to enhance said resume, but uh, it ain't going to get easier. Mm -mm. No, yeah, you go to to Fort Worth to take on TCU, who just beat Kansas by 2022 was the score, I think, um, at Allen Fieldhouse. And then you get to host, at the time, number four ranked Alabama. Um, in in Norman, so your next two games, you you got a great opportunity to make a statement. Can you make said statement? Uh, it'll be interesting to follow. Speaking of making a statement, the Oklahoma Sooners women's team did make a statement. Got down by as many as twelve points early in the third quarter against the Cowgirls in Bedlam. Came back, rallied late. Uh, didn't really have a, a a lead until about the four forty four mark in this game. As far as they had leads earlier, but as far as their late leads. 
they they had to battle. Oklahoma State did not allow them to come back. They, it was a game of runs in the second half. Oklahoma would go on a run. Oklahoma State would respond with a run of their own and did a really good job at key, of keeping Oklahoma at arm's length. Uh, but eventually, you know, the talent for Oklahoma started to really take over and really just clutch down the stretch, whether it was Maddie Williams or Nevaeh Tot or Skylar Van, Taylor Robertson. Those girls were just fantastic in the fourth quarter. Took a lead at 444 and didn't relinquish the lead again the rest of the game. Cardiac Crimson, baby. They're they're back again. This is the now 10th, John, 10th double-digit comeback of the Ginny Baranchek era. And oh, by the way, this is not this is not a long-standing era at the University of Oklahoma for Coach Ginny Baranchek. Already the 10th time. They've fallen behind by double figures and, and come back and won. So amazing. Uh, I know that that's not obviously the recipe that Coach Ginny Baranchek would like to have to have utilized on 10 different occasions already in her stay in Norman, Oklahoma. But, man, they, there's something about this team in this program these last couple of years where they have a habit of erasing those types of deficits. And obviously, uh, versus Oklahoma State, they've had their number of late. I believe that's their third straight Bedlam win. And uh, obviously, Maddie Williams was awesome again with 26 points, 17 of which came in winning time in the second half. So, man, they just uh, – it's a fun brand of basketball they're playing. The the final score, what was it, 97-93? I mean, that's the kind of game that if I'm buying a ticket, I'm like, okay – absolutely this is this is awesome I, I love seeing this kind of basketball all this up and down and scoring yeah and shout out to sooner nation the largest home crowd for a women's game since 2013 uh you showed up and it was for an important game and you got to see an important win uh you know oklahoma state's not ranked but anytime you get a bedlam win is it matters you know oklahoma now is in first place in the big 12 at six and one on the season, 16 and two overall. Uh, the last bracketology I saw from this was from Friday. Uh, Oklahoma's put in as a four seed right now. So uh, they're going to have a chance to, to get into one of those top three seeds, I, I think, at some point. If they can continue this, this role that they're on, I mean, it's, you know, like the men's side, the Big 12 women's side, it's no, you know, it's, it's not a, an easy go for, for anybody. Um, and they'll play uh, Texas. Uh, here in a few days, um, who's currently ranked number 25, though they they just dropped a game to unranked Texas Tech. So a lot of really good things. You know, the Oklahoma women's, they're fourth in the nation in sorry, third in the nation in offense. If if I have that right, I wrote a story about it and now I can't remember what it was. Um, but they were they're really, really good offensively. Um, uh, they're really, really good from three. It's just a team that is just doing everything right. They've got a really, really deep bench right now. Third in the nation um, in scoring, but they're only they're less than a point behind the number one team in scoring in the nation, the LSU Tigers. So um, just getting a lot of contributions from a lot of, of those women. Uh, so just a fantastic deep roster that Jenny Brownshek has, has created there in Norman. No doubt. Yeah, it's fun to watch right now, and that'll be a big game. Big game on Wednesday night. Texas, by the way, uh, they, they lost last week to Texas Tech, I think, in the, the midweek, and then today on Sunday beat Baylor 68-55. Okay. to uh, 55. So they, they have righted themselves since that loss, but uh, huge game. Huge game on uh, Wednesday night for the, the future of, well, the, the Big 12 championship, perhaps. 
Yeah, Texas is one of the better defensive teams in the country too. So that'll be a really interesting matchup to watch between Oklahoma's really potent offense and Texas's really stingy defense. So be fun one to watch. We'll have it broken down here for you after it happens. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Make sure you're tuned in for the live show on Monday night, 9 p.m. Central Time. We're also going to have John Garcia of SI.com, recruiting analyst for them over there. We'll talk with him later this week just to get his thoughts on the Michael Hawkins situation, some more 2024 stuff as that starts to heat up and uh, what's coming up for junior day. Oklahoma's going to be hosting a junior day this next weekend. So we'll get some of his thoughts on who are some of the key people to watch on that front as well. But until we talk to you on the live show, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We'll catch you then boomer sooner.